Well, welcome back once again to our sermon series, Messy People, Merciful God, where we are going to take our final look at the judge, Samson. Throughout the sermon series, we've been looking at the idea that each person here at some level is a mess. Whether you are open to that or not, whether it's a big mess or just a secret mess that you keep hidden, at some level, each of us here is a mess. But I think if we're honest, no one here plans on making a mess out of their life. Think about it. No one on their wedding day plans on one day having an affair. No one who gets drunk one time on the weekend plans on turning into an alcoholic. No one who gets that first credit card in the mail plans on going thousands of dollars into debt. No one who spends a couple minutes looking at dirty pictures online plans on getting a pornography addiction. We are all a mess, but no one really plans on making a mess out of their life. So why is this? Why do people have affairs, get addictions, get thousands of dollars into debt? I think you already know. Because in each person here, there is something inside of us, something that if left uncontrolled, could lead to a giant mess. But no one here lives that way. No one here plans on making a big mess out of their life. But maybe there has been a point in your life where you thought to yourself, how did things get this bad? How did I get here? When we look at Samson today, we are going to see our hero shackled to a pillar, blinded, and ridiculed by his enemies. Samson had to have thought to, him, to himself, how did I get here? How did things get that bad? That's what we're going to look at today. We're going to see how things got that bad for Samson. Looking at verse 1. One day, Samson went to Gaza, where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. So once again, we see Samson having a problem with sexual sins. And one thing I'd like to point out from this verse, we see that it starts with his eyes. There's a common lie out there in society today that people say, oh, if I'm just looking, I'm not hurting anyone. But time and time again in the Bible, it shows that sexual sin often starts with the eyes. And this was certainly the case for Samson. It seems like whenever you read some type of major novel, the main character, uh, they have some type of fatal flaw, something that, some characteristic, some personality trait, that if it gets out of hand will lead to their downfall. This sin right here for Samson seems to be the thing that leads to him spiraling out of control and hitting rock bottom. But this wasn't the only woman who Samson saw. Then he saw another woman. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. So this time, Samson, he didn't just see a woman, he actually loved her, and her name was Delilah. And as soon as the Philistines found out that Samson now has a new girl that he loves, they went to go talk to her. And this is what they said. See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him 
so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So as soon as they find out that Samson has a new lover, the Philistines, they go and try and make a sketchy business deal with Delilah. They say, hey, there's some secret to his strength. You got to figure it out for us. We'll give you 1,100 shekels of silver. I know, right? 1,100 shekels of silver. Um, It's kind of hard to figure out exactly how much money that is. Some commentators suggest that it's roughly 15 years worth of wages, which is a lot of money. Imagine that. She could do this one thing for them and then retire nicely with 15 years worth of wages. So instead of looking down on her for being how terrible she is, really, this is a lot of money put before her, which eventually leads to Samson's downfall. But as I would like to call it, uh, Samson's Groundhog Day. Do you know the movie Groundhog's Day, the classic Bill Murray one where he lives the same day over and over again? Uh, That kind of happens with Samson. Four days in a row, the exact same thing is going to happen to him, and eventually it leads to his downfall. Uh, I now ask you to open your bulletins and follow along as I read verses 6 through 22. So Delilah said to Samson, Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Samson answered her, If anyone ties me with seven fresh thongs that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh thongs that had not been dried, and she tied him with them. With men hidden in the room, she called him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the thongs as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Then Delilah said to Samson, You have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. He said to her, If anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him with them. Then with men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the ropes off his arms as if they were threads. Delilah then said to Samson, Until now you have been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. He replied, If you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with a pin, I'll become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into the fabric, and tightened it with the pin. Again, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep, and he pulled up the pin and the loom with the fabric. Then she said to him, How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite set apart to God since birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, Come back once more. He has told me everything. 
So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. Having put, them, having put him to sleep on her lap, she called a man to shave off the seven braids of his hair, and so began to subdue him, and his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding in the prison, but the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. So did you see Samson's Groundhog Day? Three times Delilah nags him, three times Samson makes up a lie, and then three times the Philistines jump on him. The first time Samson tells her, oh, uh, if you get like seven new thongs and wrap them around me, then I'll lose my strength. But that was a lie, and the Philistines came, and Samson broke the ropes and beat him off. Then the next day, he was like, oh, no, if it's uh, new ropes, new ropes, that'll get the job done, then I'll lose my strength. And they try that, and it doesn't work. And then the next day, Delilah, she's getting really upset, and he says, well, how do you do it? How do you lose your strength? And then he gets a little closer. He says, uh, if you weave my hair together, put a pin in it, he's talking about his hair, then I'll lose my strength. But that doesn't work. And then finally, after so much nagging to the point where Samson almost died being so worn out by this woman, he tells her the secret. And she cuts his hair, he loses his strength, and then it leads to his downfall. But before we judge Samson and think, how stupid could he be? How could he be that dumb? Uh, guys, have you ever done anything stupid just trying to impress a woman? I'm sure we could get some stories up here if we wanted to. But I think it goes even a little bit deeper than that. Sure, Samson has had problems with women, but I think the real problem is that Samson, he feels like he can do whatever he wants. Let's review the Nazarite vow that he took. Before he was born, God said that this man can't drink stuff made out of grapes, meaning no grape juice, no wine. He can't touch dead stuff, and he can't cut his hair. Well, last week we saw how Samson, he touched a dead lion and he was holding a dead donkey's jawbone. He touched dead stuff, but did he lose his strength? No. We also saw last week how he went to a wedding, a seven-day feast, and we had to assume that Samson was drinking at that wedding. But did Samson lose his strength? No. So now in the point of being worn down by nagging, he tells Delilah, if you cut my hair, I will lose my strength. My guess is Samson wasn't that dumb. My guess is he thought that he was unstoppable, that he could never lose his strength. Which leads to our first point. A false sense of invincibility eventually leads to rock bottom. This was certainly the case for Samson. He thought that he was invincible, he could never be taken down, but eventually this led to his rock bottom. And the same is true for us. Each person here has something inside of them, something if left uncontrolled that could lead to a giant mess. And you know this, but my guess is you don't live that way. You might be scared of falling into a big mess, 
but you aren't scared of the small warning signs. Think about it. You might be scared of one day having an affair, but you aren't scared to send a funny text message to someone of the opposite gender at work. You might be scared of becoming addicted to alcohol, but you aren't scared to get drunk at one party. You might be scared of going thousands of dollars into debt, but you aren't scared of going on one shopping spree. You might be scared of having a big pornography addiction that ruins your marriage, but you aren't scared of spending a couple minutes online looking at inappropriate things. We are scared of the big messes, but we aren't scared of the small warning signs. And that's a problem because it could lead to a giant mess, just like how it did for Samson. Samson had hit rock bottom, and now the Philistines, they had him. Let's find out what happens next. While they were in high spirits, they shouted, bring out Samson to entertain us. So these are the Philistines. They have Samson locked up. And while they were in high spirits, which is the NIV's nice way of saying while they were getting drunk, they brought out Samson. And they wanted to make him act like a court jester. It's kind of fun to think about what kind of activities they made him do. You know, maybe they made him like try juggling but that wouldn't work since he doesn't have eyes. But what some commentators suggest is that they set up like obstacles of strength for him. Like they had some big weights set up for him and then they would make Samson try and lift it and then they would make fun of him because he couldn't lift it anymore. This was Samson's rock bottom. The man who used a jawbone of a donkey to take out a thousand men was now grinding mill as a donkey. The man who used his eyes to lust after women now had his eyes gouged out. The clever hero who used a riddle to trick all of the Philistines now was being ridiculed by his enemies. The strong man was now weak. The mighty had fallen. Samson had hit rock bottom. But then something amazing happened. I invite you to follow along as I read verses 26 through 30. When they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there and on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, O oh, sovereign Lord, remember me. O oh God, please strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on one and his left hand on the other, Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all of his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. So Samson, he asked to be put next to the pillars that held the, the temple together and he prayed to God once more. He said, oh Lord, please remember me. Give me the strength back just once. 
And God listened, and he gave Samson his strength back, and the temple came down and crushed the Philistines. Which leads to our next point. God still remembers you even when you hit rock bottom. Samson, he was, by our standards, a pretty bad leader. He didn't listen to God, and yet God still gave him the strength back. We asked ourselves before, how could Samson be that dumb? How could he be that stupid by letting a woman shave off his head? But that isn't the most amazing question that we should have. The most amazing question we should have is, why would God do that? Why would God remember such a terrible leader and help him out? Well, let me tell you why. Because years later, when Jesus hung on the cross, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you see what's happening here? Jesus, who had perfect unity with the Father since before the world was even created, was now abandoned by his Father. Do you notice that Jesus, he never once cried out about the physical pain that he was going through? He never complained about how much the nails in his hands hurt. He never complained about the crown of thorns or he complained about getting whipped. The one thing that he cried out about was being abandoned by his father. What's happening here is substitution. Because of our sin, because of all the things that we've done wrong, we deserve to be abandoned by God and forgotten and sent to hell. But Jesus, instead, he took that abandonment and suffered in our place so that we could be remembered. Jesus was forgotten so that one day we could be remembered. We will be remembered when we die, when God will bring us to heaven. And this is all through Jesus. And this message, knowing about how God remembers you even when you hit rock bottom, can help us when we get in big, messy situations in our life as well. I'd like to give one illustration of somebody who hit rock bottom in his own life. His name was Tullian Chivision. He is a famous preacher. He wrote several good Christian books, several books that I enjoyed reading. But about a year ago, he had an affair. And in the process, he had to get divorced and broke the hearts of everyone in his congregation, and he had to resign as a pastor. After this, he spoke about it and said many things that he went through. He had to get counseling. He said he hit just a very great depression. He even contemplated suicide. But he didn't turn away from God's grace. Here's what he said. Sin is deep. It is real. It destroys. It deceives. May this be an opportunity for all of us to examine our own hearts and beg God for the mercy and forgiveness we all need. It would have made sense if Tolian, after having to resign as a pastor, wanted nothing else to do with the church. It would have made sense if he left, if he thought that he did something so terrible that God could never forgive. But instead, he ran back to God for his grace. There is nothing that we can do Nothing so terrible that God can't forgive. 
And knowing this, this will help you if you hit a low point in your life, if you hit your own rock bottom, knowing that God still remembers you and still forgives you, even for the terrible things that we do. But we understand this, that even when we hit a low point in our life, God can still give forgiveness. But wouldn't it be nice if before we hit that very low point in our life, we set up some things in our life to prevent us from hitting there in the first place? For the rest of the sermon, I'm going to give a couple examples of guardrails that we can put in our life. A couple practical examples of helping you stay away from sin and fight temptations. Are we doing this so that God will love you more, so you can go to heaven because you set these guardrails up in your life? Absolutely not. These are just practical examples, a couple ways where you can say thank you to God for all that he's done for you by living a life pleasing to him. So, guardrails. We know what they are. When you're driving, they're on the side of the road, it prevents you from going into oncoming traffic or falling into a giant ditch. We're glad we have them while we drive because we don't want to fall into a giant ditch. But now we're going to set up a couple of different things like that in our own life that can help us to not fall into a giant mess. Guardrail number one. Discover what inside of you could lead to a big mess. There are many different people here, many different ages, different backgrounds, and we all have different types of temptations. The devil has different ways of working on different people. So I would like to ask you now for either today or the rest of the week, do some praying about this. Do some thinking about what, if left uncontrolled in your life, could lead to your downfall. Figure it out. That would be good for you to know about. Which leads to guardrail number two. Find someone you can be real with and talk about it. People make great guardrails. When I think about maturing in my own life, so many times it's because someone took time and effort to get to know me, to ask me about what my struggles were, and to encourage me. And I ask that the same thing happens in this church, that we encourage one another. You find someone that you can talk about your struggles with, not just those struggles that you feel open talking about, but the ones that you don't want to talk about the ones that could actually lead to your downfall. Find someone you can be real with and talk about it. And as we're talking about Samson's struggle with his eyes, uh, it wouldn't be right if I didn't talk about one of society's biggest struggles today with our eyes, and that is internet pornography, which is a huge issue today. One of the biggest ways I think sexual sins happen. I'd like to share a couple statistics with you about this new sin. Three in five men look at porn every week. Three in five. If you change it from every week to once a month, the number goes even higher, close to 80, 90% of men. If statistics show that means that there are people in this room struggling with that sin. And this isn't just a guy issue either. This was a lie that I believed for a while, that it was just a guy thing. But really, what I found is that one in five women look at porn every week as well. And if you change it to once a month, it's about three in five, too. Just showing that this is an issue that affects a lot of people. Whether you are the one struggling with it or not, my guess is you know somebody who is. 
which leads to, I think, the most shocking statistic of all, is that the average age a child is exposed to pornography now is age eight. I've looked at a couple different sources. The number, it ranges anywhere between eight and 11 years old, but the number that I keep seeing over and over again is age eight, which makes sense with the lower and lower age that we also give our children smartphones and tablets. It's such an easy sin to hide because no one else knows about it. And whether you're struggling with it or not, it would be good for you to be able to be a little more equipped to deal with this issue for yourself, for your partner, and especially also for our families. And the next two guardrails that I'd like to share are a couple of websites. First is conquerorsthroughchrist.net. This is our Wells Synod uh, website, specifically made for dealing with this sin. Uh, if you go to this website, the link, it's in your bulletin. It has a number of videos for if you're, if you're the one struggling with this, there are about five videos to watch, uh, take you about a half hour long, a step-by-step -step way of how to shake this sin. And if you'd like to just become more education, educated about it as well, uh, there are good videos to watch. There's also good blog posts in there as well. There definitely is hope for people who struggle with this sin. Which also leads to our next guardrail, CovenantEyes.com. Uh, this is a internet filtering system. It doesn't block websites, but what it does is every week, if you have this on your computer, it lists every single website that you go to, and it gets emailed to a friend of your choice. Meaning that it's not going to block anything, but one of your friends, if something gets flagged, should call you up and ask you about it. Um, I think just the way that how there's so much of this pornography on the internet, whether you're searching for it or not, I think it would be a good thing that just about everyone should have on their computer. Especially if you are a parent with a younger child that uh, you're concerned about giving them the tablet, the smartphone right away, it'd be a good thing to look into. If you have any questions, feel free to email me. I've helped set us up for many guys before. It's a good website to check out. So, we looked at Samson. We saw how he thought that he was invincible and that led to his downfall. And the same is often true for us as well. When we begin to think that we're invincible, we are just as susceptible to falling into big sins as well. We get ourselves into big messes because we are messy people. But instead of focusing on what a mess we are, how about instead we focus on our merciful God? our merciful God who remembers you, the God who remembered Samson and will also remember you as well. I now hope and pray that you can set up some guardrails in your life to help say no to temptation and that God will give us his strength to live together with one another, building each other up in encouragement, even when we do hit these messy situations. We do this all in Jesus' name. Amen.